Influenced by the R&B legends and icons of the past and merging it with the future sounds is Elise Go. She's a singer, songwriter, piano playing talent with pop bops full of color and jazz chord extensions. She's not afraid of fuchsia pink or a C alt chord, which happens to be one of her favorite chords. It's all part of her style and compelling artistry. As a fellow super fan of Stevie Wonder, what's your favorite Stevie song? Uh, okay, first, thank you so much for having me, Nate. Um, hi, hi, everybody. <laughs> um, my favorite Stevie song, oh, that's, that's pretty hard. I feel like it changes depending on what mood or what vibe I'm looking for. I think right. one of my favorites is You Haven't Done Nothing. But oh. I'm just looking for a groovy funky bop to just I think that's all fulfilling this first finale I believe yes. with, uh, the Jackson 5 on the background yes yeah yeah see okay I love um you you know me yes we are we are super fans <laughs> what's it about yeah. uh Stevie for you I love how Stevie manages to stay true to his artistry by talking about social justice issues and also talking about his heartbreak and writing heart-wrenching love songs, but also managing to balance really technically difficult chords and really complex arrangements, but it doesn't sound forced. Like I, whenever I listen to his music, I just feel like this is his genuine artistry. He is telling us his story through the years and he's changed through the years and he's had constant different influences through his music from classical fugues. I, I believe that when he right. was in, uh, when he went to the blind music school that his tutor taught him with classical music and then morphing to his more current sounds and everything, just being influenced by all sorts of different artists. I just think he not only is an amazing artist, he's also an amazing student. Absolutely. Yeah. He's always growing. And no matter how uh, complex is those jazz chords are underneath, it seems like he finds a way to cut a simpler melody on top or, or something that, I don't know. I mean, I guess they're not really simple melodies either. They, they somewhat are, but then they go to all these cool places. They take you on a journey. Yeah. Super catchy. Yeah. And I, I love, I love how, in his music, it never feels like he's doing too much mm. because if he does, like you said, do really complex melisma or melodic um, craziness, he will balance that with a pretty steady chordal groove. Right. And then if he's doing something very complex chordally, then he'll sing, you know, much simpler melodies. Right. Right. What instrument did you start with? So I started with piano. I started playing piano when I was four and I was classically trained. And then I discovered pop music actually through the Lizzie McGuire movie. Oh, nice. <laughs> the song, What Dreams Are Made Of. That was my first entrance into pop music. I went to my local 
growing up in San Francisco, I went to my local music bookstore, Sunset Music, and I bought the sheet music for What Dreams Are Made Of, and I learned it on the piano, and I sang it, and that was the first time I put the two and two together, because I also did choir when I was growing up, but when I played and sang together, something felt so right. Once you discovered the Lizzie McGuire, um, or, or, you know, getting connected to pop music that you love, did you start practicing more than what you were doing when you're just focused on classical music? Definitely. I think the way I approached classical music or the way, you know, classical music is approached by teachers is they give you a piece and then Mm -hmm. you practice it every day for hours until you get it perfect. Then you work on the dynamics and the technical aspects of the song. Whereas when I was introduced to chords, I realized I could put chords in different sequences together and make my own music. Oh, wow. And it was more so about the feeling behind mm-hmm. the music or I could sing to express myself. I felt right. a lot more of myself in pop music versus classical where all the notes are written on the page and you play them as is. Sounds like you, you started to create your own sound once you discovered pop music you started to improvise with the chords and write your own songs and it's more of a reflection of of who you are or or were at that time yeah definitely and i also have a very encouraging mom and so she when she saw that i loved singing and playing pop music so much she encouraged me because she knew that there are a lot of singers in the world but not as many songwriters. So she actually was the one that encouraged me to write my first song at 13. And then I was like, wow, this new medium where I could express myself and it felt so freeing and I fell in love with it. Yeah, we're really trying uh, with our music school to get our students into more improvisation and songwriting. And I think sometimes the parents don't understand how cool that aspect of music is. we're trying to point out all the the fun reasons why kids should learn to improvise. What are some of the ones for you as far as improvising and songwriting? That... Um, well, I love that. I love that Musicians Mobile is doing that because I think it's really important to spark the inner creativity in children mm-hmm. and not, you know, not shy away from that or not um, discourage that. It's so important to keep that spark alive of thinking outside the box, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think for me, the way I like to approach improvisation or just letting things flow, a lot of times I'll start with the pentatonic scale mm. and I'll just sing whatever I feel with those notes in a different sequence. Um, or other times I will just let my melody do whatever I'm feeling mm-hmm. and then my chords will follow that. Mm. So you start with yeah, the I'll let, sometimes. Yeah. So I, I think melody is really, really important. And so are chords. Chords are so like the fundamental setting of, of your song, you know? Right. So I think it depends on what mood I am in, but I right. think that letting the melody lead that always, you know, brings me to a place where I, mm. I feel really, ooh, I'm discovering new things here. Ooh, it's going here. Stuff like that. 
What, what is it about the, the pentatonic? Um, why do you start with the pentatonic? It's, well, I learned it in school. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I have a, I had a teacher who taught me ear training at Berkeley College of Music, and he was explaining the easiest way to start improving is to just sing or play a pentatonic scale because it works over virtually any chord progression or anything in general. So I think knowing that I can always go to home base, whether it be minor pentatonic or major pentatonic, it feels like a safe place where I can just, okay, well, this works and that works. So I'll just hum these things. It's a good, yeah. It gives you all the best notes. Yes, for sure. For sure. And you can add those other more creative options later or, or not, you know? Yeah. You brought up Berkeley as a Berkeley college music grad studying songwriting. What were some of the most um, crucial things you learned? After learning all of the technical aspects, I realized, you know, what's most important is being true to Mm. yourself and true to your artistry and just being comfortable with expressing yourself in this medium. It sounds like those tools um, helped you to maybe get more in tune with your artistry or help to further refine it. Definitely, definitely. And I wanted to shout out one of the most influential classes I took at Berkeley was a class called The Music of Stevie Wonder. Um, Shout out to my teacher, Rick McLaughlin. He was the best. And learning from Stevie and learning the technical things that he did that made his music so good, but also understanding, you know, him personally, what he was going through at that point, you know, him going through divorce or um, breaking up with his wife, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. It really got me to understand, yeah, like you have to be writing from your heart. Like you have all of these, you can learn all of the technical aspects, but Stevie at the end of the day was writing from his heart. Yeah. Wow. I I didn't know that they had a a Stevie wonder course. There's some chord progressions from Stevie where I'd love to see how they're, what's going on. Like where you're not sure, is this a two chord or two of five or, you know, he's got these amazing chord progressions. We're not sure sure where he's borrowing this chord from or what he's doing um but i'm i might have to ask you a few questions off off the air about how he did some of those things (laughs) yeah it the way he uses harmony is just unlike anybody else and so influential on so many other artists for other generations to come yeah um I was just listening to something with uh, Ryan Tedder and I think Gary Vaynerchuk and R- Ryan Tedder was saying that Stevie's probably the biggest musical genius uh, alive. So I love that. And I love Ryan Tedder too. I think he yeah. is a prolific songwriter that's been successful for decades now too. And he writes hits like he writes yeah. hits <laughs> consistently. He knows how to write hits and keep, keep the heart in there and, and, and adapt to a lot of different styles. Yeah, I love I love the songs. How often do yeah. you write songs? It depends. I definitely want to be more consistent about writing like every day sort of thing because I think that mm-hmm. is what I hear from people. That's the most uh consistent and like the best way to to get better 
and whatnot. But I think for me, I write when I feel something really hard. Gotcha. Uh, and, or if I'm really inspired, sometimes I'm inspired by other music that I hear mm. and I listen to it and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is a really awesome song. Like, what can I do that can be inspired from that? And I can right. piggyback off of that idea or just the feeling that that song gave me. Other times, if I'm feeling really, really sad or really happy or, you know, I'm just feeling a sort of way, a lot of times I'll use music to process my emotions, mm. process how I'm feeling and yeah. just to get it all out, just to vent, just vent to myself. Yes. For sure. Do you have a process for uh, writing songs or do you always start with the melody or do you sometimes uh, you start with a lyric or a title? Yeah, sometimes I'll hear chord progressions and I'll try those out. I'll be like, oh yeah, those chords would work together or I want to use the specific chord progression that I've heard that I really, really like. Gotcha. Um, other times... I'll come up with song concepts. I think the strongest way, not the strongest way. I mean, obviously every approach, there's no wrong answer. But for me personally, uh, if I want to write in a concise way, a lot of times I'll think of the title of the song first. Uh, yeah. So if I, on my notes app, I have like song titles. Sometimes I have song concepts of just right. maybe one line. And I'll write that, I'll have that there and I'll go back to it and then I'll revisit it when I'm in a space to write and then I'll elaborate on that one title. And that always helps tell the big picture. Because I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm writing about, I'm writing a song right now. I was just writing it last night about pressure. And so I just wrote pressure on the top and then I wrote all of the things that have to do with feeling pressure. Oh, okay. Kind of like a word palette or... Yeah, a word bank. I I think word that bank. really helps. Yes. I like the little dog in your background. Oh yeah, this is uh, I was thinking of adding a um Mrs. Mobley. Oh my gosh, it's so cute. <laughs> it's our little mascot. Do you have a, a practice routine? A lot of times I study other singers like the greats, okay. Whitney Houston. Yep. Or, or currently Ariana Grande, sometimes I'll go on YouTube and I'll watch videos of them singing live and see what mm. they do. I think that helps me a lot just you, by seeing the way You can see that in course. the vocals? I'm not a vocalist. Um, I don't know. So I don't know what you're looking for. What are you looking for? Yeah, I think like the seeing the, the way they... Yeah, hearing the way they approach notes mm. versus, you know, also the vocal technique when it comes to melismas and riffs. Right. I I listen to both of those things. And, you know, you can tell sometimes, like on the flip side, when a singer is straining. I love studying gospel singers because mm. the way they approach notes, the way it's almost as if they have no limits when they sing. A lot of them, yeah. such as... Kim Burrell, Yolanda Adams, mm -hmm. they're just powerhouses, powerhouse singers. And I love hearing and seeing how they approach notes because a lot of times they won't belt out a note completely in a full belt. They'll mix it or they will sing mm -hmm. something in um, their head voice and or, you know, use a little bit of head voice here and, and the touch that they use when they're singing to express uh, to have expression in their notes, I think I can always learn something from them. Mm -hmm. And for piano, 
I really like watching Jacob Collier play. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's insane. He's literally crazy, but I most recently I transcribed a small clip that he posted on Instagram mm-hmm. where he I think was he was soloing over E flat at E flat major, but was doing crazy like whole tone scales going up and down, like really oh chromatic, gosh. crazy stuff. Like he's like a scientist. Playing. Yeah, he really is. He 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 goes into music with a surgical precision. It's crazy. And so that was like my first uh that was my first transcription of his music. I'll also listen to Charlie Puth play. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a video of them just talking about Stevie Wonder songs and and then all these songs with cool uh progressions. Chord progressions. Yeah, yeah. And progressions and modulations. Modulations, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I yeah. did. I tuned into that live and I was just like, this is insane. This is like watching two yeah. of the most probably, you know, technically skilled musicians in, in right? their respective fields, like Jacob being more in the jazz realm and Charlie Puth, even though he has an amazing jazz background, he's much more of a pop artist. Right. Having them come together and talk about things was it was so cool to watch them. Yeah, I have a playlist. Uh, it's it's all about cool modulations, and I, I was adding to it a lot from those songs that they mentioned that I already loved, but I forgot that. Oh yeah, what's what's your ideal sound? The Elise vision for future funk and soul music here. Well, you you like hit it right on the head, like with your intro. I was it was really um, oh, okay. flattered that you like hit. You really did. Yeah. I I want to bring old school sounds of the seventies and eighties and nineties even, and I just want to bring those influences into mm-hmm. my music, but have it also sound current gotcha. and relatable. Mm. So, how do you make it current? What, what is you know what does that mean to make because sometimes uh, I, I like creating R and B and funk too, but sometimes I throw that slap bass on there, and, and then people <laughs> might think I'm going too old school. So, how do you keep it current, and how, how do you approach that? Yeah, I mean that's totally fair, and I think the coolest thing I think for me, I like studying production of artists mm. such as Bruno Mars, who is really inspired by yeah. you know old school. He does it well. You know, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, those producers, yep. um, Michael Jackson, just being really, really inspired by all of them. Mm-hmm. But his drum production, I think that's the biggest thing that makes something sound current is the drum production. A lot of times now you'll hear maybe really complex chords or very, very quote-unquote cheesy 80s sounds, but mm-hmm. then they'll have like a trap hat like in the background right, or right. the drum production has 808s in it. So that's what brings it to now that makes it sound fresh and cool mm. in my in my studies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the drums for sure. Uh, I've also heard the bass has to hit, has to hit that right sonic. If, it's, if you have a thin bass, it, it's uh, it's not considered modern, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's a that, that's an interesting thought. I can see this, that the sub frequencies, you know, hitting. 
That totally makes sense. Yeah. Everyone, everyone nowadays, like, especially with, you know, the other genres like trap and hip hop, like they want a beat that like will make your car move. Like, <laughs> like Rattle the trunk. do you, do you, um, produce it all or program drums or do anything like that? I do. I do. So when I moved to LA in 2018, I, my, with the help of one of my really good friends who is a producer and has helped me produce a lot of my music, he encouraged me to get more into production. Cause at that time, like I had already really been into chords and mm-hmm. like being very involved in the songwriting process of yeah. my music. Uh, so he encouraged me to download splice and then it, nice. you know, downloaded logic. It like took off blinders for me because i feel like i was limiting myself a little bit because i didn't know so much about production during school because i wanted to focus on performing but Mm. production is so important especially as an artist because it creates the setting for your music yeah and if you don't know exactly what setting you want or you don't paint that setting yourself it's a lot harder to control what your music sounds like so I think production gave me that freedom and, you know, freed me from those limitations that I kind of put on myself, you know, to right. learn above and beyond the bounds of just singing mm-hmm. or performing to understand, you know, I loved arrangements already. I'd been really passionate about arrangements and live arrangements, gospel music, just how things hit you know, in certain ways. So when I started producing, I used my experience doing live arranging and put it into the um, production aspect and the programming aspect. And it definitely helped me have a much more certain creative control over my own art. And it made Mm -hmm. me feel so much more powerful too. Cause I knew I was like, I want my music to sound like this. And then I'm not, I don't need to wait for anybody to yeah. tell them I want my music to sound like that. I can just make it myself or I can start it and then have a friend like continue on and like do more additional stuff right? or vice versa. So you're right in that production mix now with your, with your drums and you know, your sonics are great on, on the, the records you released. It's Thank super you. clean and just, yeah, it does sound modern and it, it sounds like what your the vision you have, you're, you're accomplishing it. Um, as Thank far as, you. yeah, mixing in the past Thank sounds, you. taking it in a future direction. Uh, what rare or exotic or unique instrument would you like to put on a future release? Okay. I already know. Um, I want <laughs> to put the Chinese traditional instrument, Arhu. The Arhu is a two stringed instrument that you play like this. Uh, okay. kind of like it's like a small i hope no one gets offended when i say this it's like a small cello situation okay or like a, a a violin you would play like this but it's two strings and there's no frets wow. and the cool thing about that is that you can go in between the notes you know you mm-hmm. can you can become microtonal and oh, you can okay, gotcha. a lot of the inflections that mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to express in an instrument with frets Gotcha. Yeah, and the coolest thing about Arhu is the uh, 
there's a very famous song that a lot of our who players play and it's a song that mimics horses galloping Ooh. and horses neighing because the arahu can mimic that sound very closely oh, with cool. the, you know the vibrato of the instrument or yeah. um like hitting the side of the the so the instrument is like the bottom is like actually yeah if you google it you can see um but the bottom it's like this cylinder um not cylinder it's like a spherical thing and then it has like a bow here mm. um, like two strings and then like a bow that you play with that also has i think you need it. that on your next r&b track it's gonna make it really stand out <laughs> yeah i i would love to use arhu on my my future songs <laughs> so speaking of the future what's uh what's the future vision for um for you this year any plans any goals uh yeah well i'm releasing a new single on february Fifth, oh, nice. which is next friday and i'm really okay. excited about it i've been doing a bunch of promotion for it and i have a few more songs and collaborations on the way and yeah i think my biggest goals are to uh release more music and yeah. grow my audience <laughs> mm. well how can we help you grow your audience where do you want to point uh the new future elise go fans who haven't yet heard you where can they learn more and, and hear all your cool music thank you so much yeah if you would like to hear more about my music you can follow me on instagram at nihao elise that is n-i-h-a-o which means hello in chinese mm -hmm. nihao elise e-l-i-s-e -E. and then you can also follow me on twitter and youtube and spotify under all of those handles yeah we'll, we'll pop elise. some links in there for sure awesome awesome thank you yeah well thanks this has been awesome and um, good luck with everything. Love the music. I love the direction you're going, uh, Elise. And uh, have a good week. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much, Nate, for having me. You got it. All right. See you later. <laughs>